Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? You are listening to the podcast that asks the why questions of hiking. The podcast that gets to know the hiker behind the trekking poles. The podcast that takes me, Andy Neal, a new hiker, and asks hikers and outdoors people, how has hiking changed you? And how are you changing the world around you? That's right. You're listening to the Hiker Podcast. The Hiker Podcast is brought to you by so many amazing sponsors, including Canuck Outdoors, makers of the carbon fiber cork trekking poles, CS Instant Coffee, makers of the best instant coffee on the trail and wildly good the makers of the most comfortable merino wool socks you'll ever have hiking or being in the outdoors and of course our patreon patrons who support us every month with their 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 gifts and i'm just so excited that they support us so thank you to all of our sponsors all the information on our sponsors are in the description of this episode and i'll be talking more about them at the end of the episode so stay tuned for that also our music this week we have a spotify playlist where i I listen now all the music that's in these episodes but this week our intro music was keep on moving by red licorice and if you want to hear more from him or more of any of the other songs you hear on this podcast go to the spotify playlist in the description of this episode the link is there or just search hiker podcast playlist on spotify and you'll find it there i'm super excited about this week's guest i first heard about this week's guest on the Blank Trek podcast, which I was on a few weeks ago, and I heard a story. I'm like, I've got to get him on this show. So I was able to have Derek Lugo join me in a conversation where we talked about his life and his story. He is a storyteller. Derek Lugo is a hiker, adventurer, author, public speaker, and host of the new Drops This Week Unlikely Stories podcast. He's written a book about his experiences on the AT as someone from Brooklyn who had never even set foot on a trail before, who had never even pitched a tent before, and then hiked the entire AT before, the entire AT, um, the unlikely through hiker. Um, you can find that on Amazon or buy a signed copy at DerekLugo.com. Uh, amazing storyteller, amazing guy. I was so excited to have him on the show. So without any further ado, my conversation with hiker, public speaker, author, adventurer, and host of the new Unlikely Stories podcast, which I'll put a link for in the description of this episode, Derek Lugo. So recently I was a guest on the Blank Trek podcast and I discovered this hiker. I can't believe I, I, I'd seen him on Instagram a few times, but I got to hear his story and I'm like, as much as I love the guys of the Blank Trek podcast, I have to have him on my show. <laughs> Derek Lugo, the unlikely hiker, speaker, author is on the show. How are you doing today, Derek? 
I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on and, and being on here and sharing your story. So before we, we get into it, um, just let the listeners know if you, they don't know who you are, who you are, where you come from, a little bit of background stuff that if you meet someone on the trail, they might want to know about you. Cool. Well, I am from New York City. Uh, before I through hiked the Appalachian Trail, I knew nothing about the outdoors. I was just a city guy. Uh, I read a book called A Walk in the Woods, decided that that was something that sounded hard and I want to do it. It was more of a challenge. I got on the trail, walked up to Springer Mound without knowing how to use any of the gear. Um, and from that moment on, through hikers saw me as someone that was just stuck out like a sore thumb on a trail. But I embraced everything and it ended up changing not just my life, but my career path and what I do with my everyday life. So I've heard you're the second person in like three weeks I've talked to who, who, who read that book, mm-hmm. um, A Walk in the Woods. Talk a little bit about that book and what about it inspired you to get out on the AT? Well, I'm a big reader and someone just handed the book. They said, just read this. It's funny. They didn't say anything about the Appalachian Trail. They just said, it's a funny read. You're going to dig it. I'm like, all right, I'm, I like humor. Let's do it. And it was funny, but the way he described the trail, um, and for me during that time, this was 10 years ago, uh, challenges were a thing for me. And I'm a big storyteller, and I love traveling and sharing my experiences with people. Uh, and I said, one day I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. And it was kind of like a pipe dream, like wanting to run a marathon or travel around the world. I wasn't sure I was going to do it, but it was something that Bill Bryson described so well. And it was something outside of what my norm that I wanted to do it. And I think that's a, a lot of reasons. I think that's one of the reasons or some of the reasons that a lot of through hikers uh, decide to through hike. I know when I through hike the AT, um, that's the book that people say, "Hey, I read it and it made me want to through hike." And I'm starting to hear that from my book, The Unlikely Through Hiker, as well. Um, after through hiking, I wanted to share my experience the way Bill Bryson did, but I wanted to. He was a little hard. Like he did, he doesn't paint a pretty picture of the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. and that part a lot of through hikers don't dig. I didn't like it. I I still think he's a a great writer, but I wanted because I fell in love with hiking, with through hiking, and and the Appalachian Trail that I wanted to. No one's going to be inspired to through hike if I kept saying, "Wow, those mountains are hard." Oh, it was raining all the time, and it's horrible. No one's going to be inspired by it, and I wanted this. I wanted my story to to inspire people not just to want to through hike the AT, but to step out of their comfort zone to do something out of the ordinary and to live a dream. So uh, when I read the book, yes, it inspired me. It made me want to go out there, but I knew I wanted to do it a little bit different than he did. So a lot like me, I, I, I'm a city kid. I grew up in LA and Las Vegas on the West Coast, and you grew up in new york um that wasn't really into like myself wasn't into camping hiking you know for me i know a long walk was two blocks i'm like that's long enough you know if it's longer than that (laughs) i can drive um i know it's a little different new york because a lot of people don't own cars but um describe your life before 
getting into hiking, discovering hiking, what was, what was that like as a city guy, you know, growing up in the big city, um, not really experiencing the outdoors and how did the outdoors change your perspective on things? Yeah. Uh, for me, when you think of the outdoors, you know, like I grew up, uh, watching horror movies, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, Friday the 13th, bad things happen in the woods, you know? <laughs> yep. especially in the South. I don't mm -hmm. know if your your audience, they may be too young to remember the movie Deliverance, but that was something that really stuck with us where, hey, you go in the woods, especially in the South, <laughs> you're, you're not going to come out like either alive or the same. So you don't think of doing those things. Being from New York City, you know, the most I got from the outdoors was running through Central Park. So I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I walked everywhere um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big runner. I was then and I still am. And that was the way I stayed active was running through the city. Um, you know, the, the outdoors for me or what we do for outdoor pleasure was going to the beach, maybe um, Coney Island, you know, going to Yankee Stadium, you know, cent again, Central Park. So that was the outdoors for me. Anything more than that, I didn't even know there was trails near New York City. I, I had no idea until after I through hiked and I realized that you can actually walk over to George Washington Bridge. There's a trail called the Long Path Trail that will take you along the Hudson River and it'll take you all the way up to the Appalachian Trail. Bear Mountain. I did not know that until afterwards. So, and, and that's, that's one of the things where we weren't, I wasn't educated by it. Like I had no knowledge of the Appalachian Trail or this, this hiking and camping. It wasn't part of our life because uh, for many reasons, but one, we weren't educated on it. And there's this, this scary thing about it. Uh, whenever you do hear about the woods that you know, we wanted to stay away from. So what was the decision process like to go ahead and get to the AT? You read the book, you were inspired by it. What was that decision process like? I'm going to go do this. I'm going mm -hmm. to get the gear. I'm going to, you know, get down to Georgia and I'm just going to hike this thing. Uh, like many through hikers, you're going through a transition in life, whether it's uh, you just finished high school, you're in, you're, you're going to go to college the next season and you have a little break or, you know, you're, you're retired or you're in between jobs. I just, ha I happen to be in between jobs. I was living in Italy for a year, came back to New York and wasn't sure if I was going to stay in the States or if I was going to go back to Italy. And I had a lot of time to, to just decide that and missing English speaking people. Like I'm in Italy learning how to speak Italian, which was a little difficult for me. And being the outsider, I wanted to be in America. I wanted to not struggle with, um, uh, uh, communicating with people. And I decided, you know what, I'm either going to take a trip, like a road trip cross country or, and I remember I was laying in bed and it just hit me. I said, you know what, this is the time I'm going to hike the Appalachian trail. And it just popped in my head. I've never, 
I thought of it when I read the book. I said, oh, maybe I'll do it. And I haven't, haven't even thought about the Appalachian Trail for years, like 10 years went by, didn't even think about it. And then at that moment, something just popped in my head and said, hey, dude, now is the time. And within the next day, I told my friend and she was like, what, you? You're the most metrosexual black dude in New York City. You in the woods? Come on, man. Without your beauty products and all that. <laughs> How are you going to survive? Um, and that was my family, my friends, all of them were like, that. like, dude, you're not going to survive out there. But something was just, I was drawn to it. I was scared, but I was drawn to it. And within a week and a half of deciding to um, through hike the AT, I was standing in front of that archway at the uh, approach trail of the Appalachian Trail, um, not knowing how to use my gear. I was scared. <laughs> Everything in my backpack was like foreign to me. But I took that step. One, there was I could come up with a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons not to hike the Appalachian Trail. I had one good reason to hike it, and that was I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> I was homeless. I was like, let me just go, take that first step, and see what happens. And everything just fell into place. It's, I'm sure many people out there experience this when you decide to do something and you you just give it all and ev- you're all and everything just starts falling into place. I'm a big believer in if a, if if one door closes another one will open. You're always you're always going to have open doors and once they start opening the the right doors will lead you to your 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 fate, to your to your destination, to your destiny. Uh and that happened to me on the AT where okay, I had this time I had this opportunity. I took it. Now let's see what happens. And everything just started unfolding little by little. I started this not even knowing if I knew if I liked to hike. I didn't know how to hike. I didn't even know if I liked it. And within a few days, uh, I fell in love with it. And then I said, okay, what am I going to do? What am I doing with this? And I, I just took everything in. I didn't, I, when I first started this trail, there was two things I didn't know. I didn't know I was going to write about it. And I didn't realize that uh, not a lot of black people actually hiked the Appalachian Trail. I didn't know that was an issue until maybe a few weeks into it. And people just started telling me about it. And I said, whoa, this is this is heavy. And it started changing my perspective, not of the people or the Appalachian Trail, but of how I'm going to share this experience. And am I going to make this experience a one and done deal where I just do six months on a trail and I'm in it, my story's done, or am I going to take this experience and share it with others and hopefully inspire others to do, like I said earlier, to step out of their comfort zone, to do something out of the ordinary and live a full life. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to make this my life mission. And when I said it changed my life, it changed my life where I went from doing working in New York City, living the nightlife to changing my career path and being a speaker, being a writer, an author uh, and sharing this experience. And it's something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So you mentioned you get on the trail, you get to Springer Mountain, you get in a few weeks and then people start letting you know, telling you you're, you know, not very many black people. Mm-hmm. hike this trail and the outdoor industry um historically has been very 
very male, but very white. Um, and that's, that's been an issue and that's being addressed by a lot, a lot of different people in the outdoor industry. Um, describe that, that realization that you were out there and there was, you know, I, I heard you say on the blank track podcast that a lot of people are telling you, you were the only black guy on the trail and what needs to happen in the outdoor industry in in the long, you know, through hiking community to create more access for black indigenous and people of color, LGBTQ folks to make it more of an inclusive environment so that everyone can experience what you've experienced out on the trail. Yeah, that, that question has a lot of different answers. I would say to start with, I, it's all, it starts with education. It starts with awareness. It starts with, can I do this? Can someone like me do this? If there was a book like The Unlikely Through Hiker when I was a kid, I would have done this when I was a teenager. So it's more of educating and not just educating from just anyone. Um, I'm a big believer that the outdoor community is made up of a bunch of different communities and we need to all do it together. It's not just one group or a BIPOC group or a Latino book group just saying, come join us. No, it's all of us saying, Hey, let's do this. Um, I don't have the, I don't have the key to, I don't have the answer to it because if I did, it would have, this would have been all, you know, it wouldn't be an issue, but mm -hmm. I think just, um, allowing people like myself and other, um, BIPOC, Latino, Asian, different type of hikers that you may not think would be hikers. Have us speak up. Have us tell our story. It's all about sharing our story because when you hear a story, people, a lot of times people relate to it. So it's, I'm a huge storyteller and this is how I, I share my, my message and how people are inspired. Uh, and I'm going to continue doing that. So I would say, first off, have people like me do the thing, do what they do best. I, when I first started doing this, there was maybe one um, BIPOC uh, uh, outdoor organization. Now there's many different ones and they're all doing it their own way. But I'm definitely seeing more people of color on the trail. When I threw hike, that was the only black person on the trail. But now I know this season there's a few a few more than before. And I threw hiked almost 10 years ago. Um, it's not probably not moving as fast as we all wish it to. But the one thing also I want to mention is that black people have and Latinos and we've been doing this for a long time. I think we just haven't been represented correctly. Um, I think a lot of times when you think of black people, you're like, oh, they're not, you know, they don't, they don't do this. No, we do it. Mm -hmm. We do. We may not do it like you do it, but we do it. Um, I think making it more normal than saying, hey, it's something that they don't do. I think it's a language. We need to change that language. I think we need to approach this and say, hey, we all do this. Um, and again, it goes back to educating. It goes back to um, letting the little, you know, little Derek know that, hey, there's someone that looks like you that can that hikes the Appalachian Trail. I do a lot of talks in schools and um, 
I always think of this because if someone shared my story that wasn't black, like a let's just say a white person shared my story, the message would be a little bit different, although they may be saying the same words, but the way it's uh, taken from uh, kids or whoever's listening will be different. But when they see someone like me that dreadlocks doesn't, doesn't, I don't look like a your typical hiker. Um, then they're like, Hey, this guy who doesn't look who I thought a, a hiker would look like is doing it. Then maybe I can, people need to relate to you. People need to relate to the individual. So, um, and I'm all, and the way I educate is through humor because I'm a huge believer that, um, there is, you can learn a lot from humor. And let me backtrack a little bit. When it comes to humor, I, re- I learned that people pay more attention to humor than they do to uh, anyone that's serious. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I try not to take myself too serious. Obviously, life happens. But uh, the way I approach everything, my book, my talks, it's always with humor, but there's always a lesson behind it. So I would say, do not be afraid to approach a black person and ask them questions. That was the one thing that I loved about the Appalachian Trail that was that uh, individuals were coming up to me and saying, hey, thank you for being out on a trail. You know, We appreciate this. And I wasn't sure what they were saying. It took me a minute to, to get it. And they would just come out and say, hey, you're the only black person on a trail. And I appreciated that because I wasn't aware of it. You know, and it's it's something that I should be because then maybe I can make an effort to bring attention to because the Appalachian Trail and not just the Appalachian Trail, the outdoors. It's a beautiful thing. This whole activity we do, this hiking activity, it is so beautiful and not to share it would would be a sin. So I would say don't be afraid to approach people and share and just talk to them and say, hey, you know, how do we like? You just straight up asked me that question and I, and I, and I love it and I don't have the full answer, but I can, I can share stories and my experience. Then that's how I share also, uh, my, my message and lessons through my experience, which is a lot, um, after through hiking and sharing these stories, because now I through hiked for six months, but I relived that trail for years after that. I started writing my book. So for two years, I'm reliving that through hike. And now with my talks, I'm reliving it. So that's never going to go away. Even if I do other adventures, that through hike experience is always going to be there. And the moment that I stepped on the trail and I became a different person will always stick with me. So that was a long way of answering that question. I hope I answered it. Oh, you did, there's, you did. there's no one straight answer, but it's a question that needs to be asked. So, on the trail, you're out there and there's, you know, there's tramleys, there's trail communities. How did the Appalachian Trail community receive you? And w- w- did you feel welcome? Because like you said, you know, you're a black man, you're in the South, you know, there, there, there's some, there's some stigma there. Mm-hmm. What was the trail community like for you? How were you received? I... I think I was a little naive in the beginning because I didn't know, I didn't know any, not, I didn't know how to hike, how to do any of the outdoor stuff, but I didn't know the whole outdoor thing. Like I didn't know anything about the outdoor community or if that was a thing. I just thought I was going to be in the woods by myself. 
As soon as I started, I knew I had made a mistake by not being as prepared as I should have been. The things I should have known, I should have learned years, at least months ago. And I was learning on my first day on the trail. And I instantly, I instantly got there. Was, first of all, the outdoor community, at least when I was through hiking, there was no judgment from anyone. So people saw I had no experience at all. On my first day, I was trying to pitch my tent. I share this story all the time, but I'm trying to pitch my tent. I couldn't get the stakes in the ground. <laughs> and it's and it, simple thing, right? And this through hiker comes by with a rock and starts tapping down the stakes. And he, he holds the rock in front of him and he tosses it and walks away. And I'm like, dude, you are a genius. So I pick up the rock and I put it in my backpack. No, I'm totally, I'm totally kidding. I don't do that. But I, <laughs> I did learn uh, that one lesson on like, you know, how to, how to get the stakes in the hard ground. But then he also showed me certain ways of doing the tent fly. I learned how to use my mini stove that day. So the, the hikers on the trail were showing me how to do things that they had already known, not saying, hey, why are you out here? Why are you doing this? We've been doing this for a long time. Now you're out here attempting to do it, thinking you can do it. That never came out of anyone's mouth ever. Not even a look. It was always like, hey, man. It, and I didn't even feel I did not even feel like I was less than. I just felt like I was part of this through hiking community from the jump. If ever I needed anything, I've seen hikers run out of water or, 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 or snacks and people are like giving him snacks or trading like, here, take some water and I'll give you like this, this energy bar. You know, like people are just helping each other from the jump. So the, I, I felt nothing but love. And it's one of the reasons why I have so much love for, for the outdoors and for the Appalachian Trail, because within a week I fell in love with hiking and it, it wasn't just I fell in love with the the action of hiking. That's not it. It was all of it. It was the people. It was the actual action of hiking. It was the experience of learning all these new things. It was nature. It was taking everything in. It was a little, you know, for me at first, it was a little spooky because I've never walked in the woods by myself before, you know, and little like squirrels running on dry leaves sounded like a stampede of boars and it scared the, <laughs> scared the poop out of me, you know? It was like, what? Um, so it, it was a combination of things that made it into something that, I felt like I needed to continue sharing with others. So you said within a week you fell in love with, with mm -hmm. hiking. At what point was it like, this is now my life's work. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to others about my experience. Was that on the trail? Was it when you got off of Katahdin? At what point were you like, this is what I'm doing now. This is my focus. Uh, it was more gradual than that. I would say halfway through my through hike, people heard about me and they heard how I had no experience. And I, again, I stuck out like a sore thumb. I had like a bunch of different color bandanas on. I look at one point, I look like Captain Jack Sparrow because I had like long sleeves that were loose, like the dreadlocks popping out. So, uh, and that was cool with me because I, I love, I'm a people person. I love talking to people and, 
I didn't have a problem with that. Halfway through it, people said, hey, you should write about this date. I've written before. I have a bunch of manuscripts that are still in my closet somewhere, poems, short stories, but not, I didn't write, I had, didn't get to the point where I had something I wanted to share with others. And halfway through it, I said, you know what? I'm going to write. The one thing I didn't know was that I was going to write about my Appal- the Appalachian Trail and I was going to get it published. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I just knew this story because of many reasons. And I called it the unlikely, uh, the unlikely through hiker for many different reasons. And it was a story I knew needed to be told but I wanted to share it in my own way, in my own words. So when I finished through hiking, uh, finished in September and October, I started writing. A, a hiker friend, his parents had a cabin because I was a big believer that uh, writers write their their best work at a cabin or where teenagers go to get murdered, they go to cabins, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> I, was, I, was a, I was a big believer that that's where I needed to go to start my book. I didn't want to go back to New York right away because there was too many distractions. I wanted to start writing because I didn't want this, this experience to just disappear. Uh, and so I started writing for three months at a cabin in Pennsylvania on top of a hill. It was beautiful. And after that, I took that momentum I had, the writing routine that I had, I was able to take it to New York and I continue writing. So within, by the end of 20, I guess it was a year after my through hike, 2013, I had a manuscript and I got it published. To answer your question, I did not think this was going to be a career. I thought this would be a good way to start my writing career, but not my outdoor career, because I didn't think that was going to be something. I knew I wanted to share the experience, but I didn't think it was something that I was going to continue doing. What happened was, in order for my book to get published, I knew that people needed to know who I was, needed to know my, uh, my story before the book even came out. So I started doing talks. And all these outdoor organizations saw that I had a voice and I had a passion and I had a story to tell. So they would put, give me a, uh, a stage, an audience, and I would just share my story. And the crowd started growing and growing and my story started to grow with it. And then I was able to get a publisher. And I would say as when the book came out, I knew that's when I knew that my career path was going to change um, because by then I had did a bunch of different talks. I've spoken at the Javits Center for 300 people. I've spoken the West Coast, East Coast, all over the place. And at this point, um, I love doing it. At this point, I can do it with my eyes closed uh, because, and I say this because when I was younger, I was not like that. I was pretty shy, although I have uh, some childhood friends that say, you shy? No, but you feel it. I may have not shown it, but I, I felt the shyness. I wasn't as confident with my words. And from this through hike and my talks, my talks, uh, me as a person, I've become more confident because not confident in like a cocky way, confident where I know I have a story that's important, a message to share that people can get inspired and learn from. And that's where that comes from. So when a book came out, I knew from that moment on, and a book came out in 2019. So it's been two years now. 
uh, I knew from that moment on I was going to be I'm going I was going to continue talking about the outdoors and I was continue I was going to continue writing about the outdoors. Um, those two facts were I knew that was going to be my life and my career from that moment on, and it's been it's been like that since. So what does the outdoors look like for you now that you're doing this? You're speaking. You're you're, you're writing. What, I, I look at your Instagram. It seems like you're, every day you're on the trail somewhere. Mm-hmm. What, what is what is hiking in the outdoors look like for you now? What does a typical week look like for you now that you've you've you got off Katahdin? You've written this book. You're speaking all over the country. Um, what what does it look like now? So on a normal day, I will go on a trail and do between three and six miles a day with my dog. So we just go and we just walk every day. Um, On a not so busy day where I'm actually doing some kind of um, outdoor activity for an event or um, doing a talk or um, next week I'm doing a through hike of the long trail where now a hike, a through hike, unlike my AT through hike where I had no experience, I didn't know what I was doing. And obviously I wasn't going to uh, I had nothing to offer people as far as the outdoors, just like, hey, I'm just a dude that doesn't know what to do. That's boring. That's not interesting. That's not something that someone can learn from. But if you take that and if you see a hiker that grew from that and learned how to through, learn how to hike, learn to love it, learn how to use all this gear, then there's the message. There's the lesson in that. So now when I do these long distance hikes, it's not about me anymore. It's about the lessons I'm teaching others, whether it's to learn how to through hike or whether it's to, you know, talk about the outdoors, maybe some gear, um, or just show people that they can step outside of their busyness and do this. Uh, and I like to, again, I like to share it with humor. So sometimes even the people that can't go out there and do these things, they do it through me. Like when I get messages from readers and say, Hey, you know, I felt like I was right there with you. And that was the one, one of the things that stuck in my head when I was writing this book. And I, I said, Hey, I don't want it to be a journal. I don't want people to read this and say, Oh, okay. This is this guy's experience. He just ate, you know, ramen noodles and he just had like three Snickers today. No, I want it to be the moments I felt were impactful. I wanted to write them in a way that people felt them, that people were there and it was impactful for them as well. So when people send me a message and say, hey, I felt like I was hiking with you. That's what I want. That's what I do now with my with my uh, the, 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 the big events that I do, my through hikes or everything I do now is about sharing it with my readers and my followers. It's not just about me anymore. I got the, I got the experience of the outdoors and it's always going to be with me. Now I feel I have that responsibility to share every moment of the outdoors with people. It's my job now. And talk a little bit about your podcast, unlikely stories podcast, uh, where, where you're doing that all the time now. Yeah. So <laughs> it just launched a few days ago. Um, it, it we're doing 10 episodes uh for the first season and they're going to go from there i felt like there was a lot that happened this year it was a really busy year for me did the audio book for the unlikely uh 
Young Like a Thru-Hiker. I wrote a bunch of articles for different uh, magazines. And then I had this podcast opportunity and I wanted to make sure we did it right. It, it was months of work where we got some really great guests. We got the first black person to, uh, to summit Mount Everest, not just once, but twice, you know, and then, yeah, just in case you missed it the first time, here you, here you go. And I'm going to do it on, on the other side, you know, like a different trail. Uh, and then I also spoke to someone that um, walked the entire length of uh, Africa. And then, you know, I'm speaking to these individuals. I spoke to Jennifer Farr Davis, who at one point was the fastest person to through hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, my last interview was uh, for, for the season was Patagonia and beautiful drag queen on the trail that educates uh, about the outdoors and um, her in her own way. So there's a lot. And. It's called the Unlikely Stories podcast because it's not just because of the individual that could be unlikely to do something in the outdoors, but it's unlikely that you've heard this story. I have a, um, two episodes we made into a two-parter, and we list we hear from J.R. Harris, who is a member of the Explorers Club, one of the only Black people in the Explorers Club, and he shares stories of four. Uh, black explorers of history that you may have not heard of. Uh, so we share stories that either it ha hasn't been out there or should get more uh, attention. So I'm really proud of it. We're doing some really good work. Um, is a lot. It's I love again. I love sharing with humor, um, and but I also want to to educate. And uh, there's a lot of really good material here. And I don't see any other podcasts out there doing these things. There's great po outdoor podcasts, don't get me wrong. But what we're doing is we wanted to go a different route and we wanted to let people know that, hey, um, we're out there. Not just, you know, we're not just starting to do this. You got BIPOC, we got Latino, Asians, we got all types doing this thing. And again, I always emphasize that I'm a big believer that the outdoors is made up of the outdoor community is made up of a bunch of different communities. So, uh, and I think with this podcast, it's a, I, I feel like different communities can just get something out of it. It's a comfortable place for everyone to hear all these stories and, uh, and for whoever we have to share their story. Uh, and that way, eventually we will be one. I feel like we're a little divided, even with the outdoors. There's so many different communities. And I feel like if we can just unite in one that, um, you know, maybe the world or take suit, you know, maybe they'll follow and, and, and start doing the same thing. So that's my goal. Um, I know it's very ambitious, but you got to start somewhere. I love it because the outdoors is for everybody. And it's mm -hmm. just put these stories out there it's it's inspiring for someone who for someone they listen like I, I i never thought of myself as a hiker and i'm hearing these people like i i would never thought would be hikers and they're out there and they're doing this it inspires so many because the outdoors is so healing and it's been healing for me and it's been healing for so many different people and different types of people um with that said though i like to ask every hiker who comes on the show this how has hiking ultimately changed you mm. It's a good question. 
Um, the one, it's, it's, there's a few things, but the one, the first thing was I'm from New York city. I'm from Brooklyn. Okay. Um, I have a chapter in my book called a suspicious mind where, um, if you're coming up to me and you, 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 you're a stranger and you're trying to strike a conversation with me, I'm going to look for my wallet because <laughs> I don't know you, you know, like, why are you standing so close to me on the Appalachian trail through hiking Getting trail magic, and if you don't know what trail magic is, it's when uh, locals will leave either a, a cooler with like sodas or snacks. Uh, that's trail magic. They are considered trail angels, and trail magic could be them giving you a ride into town, taking you home, and letting you take a shower. For me, that's the best trail magic when I can take a shower, you know. Or I'm a big believer, and the best trail magic it actually is when you really need it. When I was in New York. Uh, uh, when I was in New Jersey and New York section of the Appalachian Trail, there was a drought. It was a heat wave and there was no water. The, the water source was very dry. And the best trail magic was when at a trailhead, I would see gallons of water. That was the best. So when people were doing that, my perception of the, of human beings started to change. It took a while, but it started to change. And I left the Appalachian Trail, I was saying I love you more freely than I did in the past. I would hang out with friends afterwards, uh, hang out with friends, and then afterwards, I would say I love you to them. And it was just a normal thing. The word I love you came out of my mouth a lot more easily. Uh, that's the biggest thing that came out of it. The second biggest thing is, like I spoke earlier, like I said earlier, uh, my career path changed and um, what my mission in life is now is because of the Appalachian Trail. And a follow up on that, what would you tell someone, well, no matter what their background is, who would just say, I I'm not a hiker, I'm not an outdoors person, but this stuff is, is inspiring to me. What would you what would you tell them if they're like, I'm, I don't think this is something I'm supposed to do, but I feel led to do it. What should they do? I would say set yourself up for success. Don't do what I did. Um, don't go, don't start a through hike without any hiking experience, without knowing if you even like to hike. Because hiking is, a, it's a bunch of different degrees of, there's a bunch of different degrees of hiking. There's, you know, you could do a, a, a day hike, you can do a weekend hike, you could do a one mile hike, you can do three, you can do hiking in a bunch, just like meditation, you can, there's no right way to do it. You can do it any way you want, as long as you're on the trail uh, and leave no trace. But I would say, prepare yourself. Don't go out there thinking, hey, I'm going to do this and I, because this one guy did it. If you want to through hike, do your research, read books, read the unlikely through hiker, do your research um, and do some do day hike, do weekend hike, do two week hike. Don't just go out there, set yourself. You, the only way you can set yourself up for success is if you prepare uh, and also not just with your gear, but prepare mentally. Walk into this knowing that. There's not. There's going to be days where you're you're gonna hike in the rain. There's going to be days where it's it's gonna be cold. Um, you're gonna go up these mountains that you're not gonna be happy about. <laughs> there's a saying on the Appalachian Trail: if you're if you hit 
two trails. There's a fork on the road on the trail. Uh, and one goes up and one just going flat. When in doubt, the AT always goes up. So, cause that's how, it, <laughs> that's how, that's how it feels. It feels like you're always climbing, but I promise you, I promise you at the end of it, you're going to be a different person. You have to be open. You have to accept it. You will be a different person. Walk into this knowing it's going to be a good experience with the knowledge that there's going to be some bumps like life. There's going to be bumps, but you're going to come out of this a better person. Derek, thank you so much for coming on the show and and your your, your words there. Um, If someone wants to follow you, check out your podcast, or like I just did as you're talking, I'm hearing your story. I'm like, I need this book. I just ordered the book as you're talking. Where would they go? Uh, yeah, you can, if you want to order a signed copy of my book, just go to DerekLugo.com. That's D-E-R-I-C-K-L-U-G-O.com. Uh, to follow me for my future through hike, I'm doing one next week and I have other big plans. Uh, you can go to my IG at, at Derek Lugo or Facebook at Derek Lugo. Um, I'm mostly on, um, IG, uh, because I feel more like the creative individual there, but I do, I do have a lot of followers that on Facebook and I don't neglect that social, that part of social media. So I will be on there as well. Awesome. Derek, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us, man. Thanks for inviting me, dude. Thank you so much, Derek, for coming on the show. I was so excited that you were able to get on the show. And he's actually hiking the long trail right now. So I'm super, I say super a lot, don't I? It was just an amazing conversation. I just started his book this morning, got it last night. And I'm just go pick it up, pick it up. Go to DerekLugo.com and uh, get a signed copy. And yeah, get, get, your, get, your, get your hands on this book. It, it really is amazing. He's an amazing storyteller and the podcast just dropped today. I started listening to it while I was mowing the lawn today. You don't want to miss this podcast either. There's not a whole lot of other podcasts I recommend. There are a few, um, but his is definitely one of them. You don't want to miss it. They put a, they put a lot of work into it and I'm super excited. Um, for 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 that their their storytelling podcast oh just amazing so make sure you check out everything he's doing i do want to talk about our sponsors real quick first of all our patreon patrons who help the show out week in week out month in and month out if you don't know what patreon is it's a service essentially where you can subscribe and give a gift each week to help the show out and you get stickers and our top tier i send a you know a a week supply of CS instant coffee. Um, it, it, it really does help the show out. It gives you a little bit of buy-in. I send stickers. I send extra stuff all the time. It's super fun. And as we get like new merch, I'll send it to our Patreons first. So I do want to thank our Patreons, Barbara, Mike, and Ali and Matthew and Elizabeth and Maggie and Ava and Annette and Renee and Alistair and Stephanie and Mike and Danielle and the other Danielle and Ren and Jacob and Tommy and Deb. Thank you all so much for being so amazing to me in the show and giving week in and week out. We couldn't do the show without you. It gives me some 
uh, some flexibility, being able to to have sponsors and Patreons so I can spend a little less time doing freelance work and a little more time on this. So thank you all so much for helping out on Patreon. If you want to do that, you can go to hikerpodcast.com, click on the square there. It says join Patreon or um, just go to the description of this episode. It's all there. Also, Canock Outdoors. Canock Outdoors, makers of the carbon fiber cork trekking bowls and also... And also all the water storage, the Visica and uh, the Vecto water storage. You, you, you all have seen it. If you've been through hike, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they're an amazing company. Um, Gilad, I had, I, I got to meet him in person at PCT days, such an amazing guy and um, really has a vision for, you know, making the outdoors more sustainable. So um, if you want 10% off your, your order of trekking poles, new trekking poles, uh, use Hiker Podcast when you buy their stuff. Also, if you use the link in the description of this episode, um, it helps the show out when you do your orders. So uh, if you just want to use the link, it's in the description of the episode and it's going to be updated here tonight on the website. Um, and it, actually on the website for all of our sponsors, I'm adding a sponsor page now. So it has all the information about what exactly you can get. If it's the first order, is it all orders? Is it just this? Or is it just that? But if you use the link in the description of this episode, when you make your order, it does help out the show a little bit. Also, CS Instant Coffee. Gosh, I love these guys so much. Um, makers of the best instant coffee on the trail. But I think, I don't even know, like the best instant coffee there is. Like, I've been to Europe where they're all into instant coffee and it sucks compared to this. Like, oh my gosh. Um, I, I, I just, I love Ina Monica and everything. They, same thing as, as Kanak Outdoors, very much about sustainability and making a quality product. And uh, next week, we're going to announce the winner of the, uh, the year supply of CNCs and coffee. But if you do want to help out the show, um, again, go to the description in this episode. There is a link there. And uh, when you click on the link and buy your coffee that way, what happens is, uh, guess what? It helps the show out. So make sure you use that link when you buy your CNCs and coffee. It will be in the description of this episode. And of course... It'll be on the website on the sponsor page here soon, I promise. And our last and newest sponsor, Wildly Goods, they're makers of the most comfortable merino wool socks. Also, like seriously, I've been wearing them for like a month and a half now. They are the most comfortable. Don't sweat, don't smell. So amazing. All the information on Wildly Goods is in the description of this episode. And what you do is you use the personal referral link there and then use the code HikerPodcast10 to get 10% off your first order. So, yeah, use that link and then you get 10% off your order. It helps the show out. It helps you out. You get 10% off your first order and you get some amazing socks. You don't want to miss it. So thank you all. That's my spiel on that. Um, But as we are closing out this week's episode, um, which was an amazing episode, um, I did want to talk a little bit about... Um, just kind of, kind of my experience with, with, with kind of figuring out and balancing the outdoors and, and, and city life. And I talked a little bit about this um, last week. For so long, I considered myself a city kid, a city guy, someone who I was born in Phoenix, Arizona when I was five, moved to the Los Angeles area, was there till I was 15, almost 16 years old, then moved to Las Vegas and really was there until I was 26 and then I moved to Southern Oregon. Medford Ashland area, which to me was super crazy small. And it took me a long time to get into the outdoors. It took me up until recently to get into the outdoors. I always wanted to be in the big city. I always wanted to be, you know, where there was culture, I used to say. 
I want to be where there's culture and there's there's food and there's art and there's there's you know people and you know theater and not that we don't have amazing culture here um you know the the uh Oregon Shakespeare Festival here in Ashland nine months out of the year when we don't have COVID that sort of thing and I really do live in an amazing place for someone who loves the outdoors and loves you know big city cultural opportunities but for so long I considered myself a city person and then I found the outdoors but I don't consider myself primarily just an outdoorsy person now and I've given up the city I still love going to big metropolitan areas and, and seeing the sights and and enjoying cities like Boston and Portland and Los Angeles and even Las Vegas and Reno and Seattle and New York and you know going overseas to Zurich and, and Warsaw. I can't wait for travel to be open back up again. But I think for so many of us and for myself, I've been struggling with this this idea of am I primarily an outdoorsy person or am I a city person or what am I? And I'm, I, I don't have to claim either one. I love the outdoors. I love being out where it's quiet, where I have no cell service, but I also love being in the middle of a bustling city. If I spend too much time in either, I I, I can get a little weird. That's just me personally, but you don't have to be defined by anything. You define who you are. I think for so long, we let culture and other people, social media define who we are and it's really easy to do because you know if you're on instagram you know if you if you have any significant following on instagram they always tell you you need to find your niche is are you a are you a outdoor instagram are you a city instagram are you a foodie instagram are you a disney instagram are you a travel instagram are you a family instagram same with youtube and all that other stuff and over the years my focus has changed i do i do focus a lot on the outdoors um, because that's where primarily where my, my, my passions lie, but also where, you know, my, my life is right now. But I also love film. I love culture. I love travel. And it's really easy in the, in this, in, in, in this climate to let others put you in a box, which is completely antithetical to why I love the outdoors because the outdoors makes me feel freer than I ever have. And there's a struggle for so many of us being lovers of the outdoors. And then you get on Instagram and Instagram's the big, the big social media for a lot of us because we're, we're sharing photos of our experiences and to have to try to fit into this box, buy the right socks, buy the right shoes, have the right gear. You know, am I a through hiker or am I a section hiker? Am I just a backpacker? Am I a weekend warrior? You know what? Who cares? You can live in New York City and be an avid outdoors person. You can live in Ashland, Oregon and love the city and culture and travel. It doesn't matter. You don't have to let other people or social media define who you are. You are who you are and that's what makes you you. And if there's anything I ever want to remember for myself and convey to you all this week, it's be who you are. Don't do certain things because that's what hikers do or that's what outdoors people do. Or I can't put that on my Instagram because that's off brand. I love messing with the algorithm. I posted some Disneyland pictures this week and it's like messing with the algorithm. Like what's happening? He's not supposed to be around where there's more than a hundred people at once. I get it. 
and you know, you talk with brands and I've, I've, I'm working with a lot of brands now I'm doing sponsored posts and, and obviously sponsors for the podcast. And, you know, sometimes I have a brand and they contact me and they're like, Oh, you know, can you do this and that? And I'm like, that's not me or that's, a, that's not a product I would ever use. Or I have a strict policy with my social media that, you know, I'll, if, if it's a product I believe in and I'm already using, I'm down to talk to you. If, if it's not a product I'm not already using, um, but I'm interested, you need to send it to me and I need to be able to use it for, you know, 30 to 90 days and then I'll decide for free and then I'll decide if I want to work with you all. And that's wildly goods. That's what I told them. They're like, all right, cool. Here's some socks. Wear them for a while. Tell us if you like them and then we'll work with you. If you do, if not, no harm, no foul. You get some free socks. Sweet. And everyone's trying to put you in a box. And I know people have been trying to put me in a box. Get out of the box. Be you. Go hike that trail. Go to the National Park. Then go to Disneyland. Travel to London. Travel to travel to Tokyo. Then hike the PCT. Go to a film festival. Then pick up trash in your national park. Have friends of every background and, and, and socioeconomic status. Don't limit yourself on who you're friends with and who you surround yourself with. Don't let society tell you who you are. The trail helped me find who I am. I'm Andy. I love the outdoors. I love culture. I love film. I love hiking. I love the big city. I love travel. I love my family. And I'm really into Disney. And that's okay. And that's who I am. I love podcasting. I love working with other podcasters. I do what I do. And that's okay. And the outdoors helped me find that. And it's so funny to me that the outdoors has been a box that people are trying to put us in now. Don't let that happen. With that said, guys, if you want to know more about me, go to hikerpodcast.com. Follow me on Instagram at Andy Films and Hikes. And you've been listening to this week's episode of the Hiker Podcast. <laughs>